Sound Space, brought to you by Spectrum Life, bringing you real life, real conversation, and real advice from the best in class experts across all areas of physical and mental well being. Join our host weekly and learn how to improve and reflect on your well being. Welcome to this episode with me, Lauren Gilfoyle. Today we are joined by a man you may have seen grace the TV screen as he whips up a dish at the studios of Virgin Media. It's TV chef Owen Sheehan. Over the next couple of weeks I will be chatting to people from all walks of life about how they manage to make exercise and health a part of their lifestyle despite the busyness of the world around them. My guest today started his food preparation business from his home at the age of 18 and has now built Country Munch to be a key partner of sports teams across Limerick and Ireland, hosting a regular slot on Virgin Media's 6 o'clock show while also going on a journey from competing in bodybuilding competitions to his imminent return to intermediate club Gaelic football. Owen Sheehan, you're very welcome. Good morning, Lauren. How are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm great. I'm great altogether. That introduction, Owen, I think I grasped everything, but maybe do you want to give us your own take, introduce yourself, tell us who you are, what you do, perhaps for some of the listeners that aren't familiar with you? Yeah, I know that you, you friendly nailed it there. I suppose to summarise what I do, my name is Owen Sheehan, I'm 24 years old, I'm from West Limerick, um, and I studied to be a chemical engineer, but I started the food business when I was in college by accident, uh, and that turned out to be Country Munch, and that's a meal prep service, so... We cook, we cook food for people who don't have time to cook or don't have the skill set. Um, and through that, my own brand grew as as a kind of demo chef and, and thankfully now as a TV chef. So I suppose my job, if I can't physically feed you, I teach you to feed yourself. That's probably the best way to, to describe what I do. Uh, and there's lots of nuts and bolts and lots of avenues existing and new avenues popping up. So it's it's been this crazy few years, but all things food, I suppose, is the best way to describe me. And when you say you started Country Munch by accident, what cascade of events led to that happening yeah i suppose it fits the kind of the team here of, of sport i was always really involved in, in in sports growing up you know rugby was my main sport to be honest that's what i wanted to do for for a living i went to college with the with the intention of hopefully being picked up by for a pro contract um having been offered scholarships in school whatnot it, it, it was looking promising at the time um and you know that was the goal was just to go go to college and wait until someone spots me but when i got to college uh, i suppose you're training so much you have to kind of focus on, on nutrition and so at that age it's kind of hammered home a little bit more and i was all really overweight uh, as a kid as a teen everything um i remember when i was 16 i was 16 stone i was 17 i was 17 stone and i was probably fast approaching 18 so I, well, I went to college and I just had to cook for myself it was just a necessity I left mammy at home she wasn't cooking my dinners anymore so I would just meal prep my my food um, because I was training in the morning studying to be a chemical engineer all day probably training in the evening time my time was really limited so I prepped my meals I cooked like eight dinners boxed them up put them in the fridge and he worked shift work in general uh, and he was like, oh, I'm looking to lose a little bit of weight. Uh, I hate cooking and the food inside is great. I'm looking to eat a little bit more healthy. And at first I was like, not a hope, man. I was like, I'm up the walls, busy. I'm just doing this for myself. And then he's like, I'll give you a term for five meals. So 50 quid. I was like, Do you know what? This actually be worthwhile. And this will kind of fund my Thursday nights out with the lads. So I started just cooking for myself and himself. Uh, and I suppose prior to that, I had lost about 25 kilos that year. Um, through the food that I was eating, that played a huge part. It was the first time I ever had structure on my food and my nutrition. So I lost 25 kilos, which ultimately was the end of my rugby career because I, I went back uh, to be a prop 
making nearly 30 kilos lighter, which wasn't much good to the team. Um, so I kind of played around in different positions for a while, but, but ultimately it was kind of the end, the start and the end for that. But the meals just grew really organically from there. You know, I was feeding John, he was getting five meals, he's buddy in work, John and Don. He, so now it was 10 meals, five or a meal, or 10 or a meal, I should say. Um, then another friend came on board and, and I was like indirectly marketing on Instagram. I was just, you know, post a generic story or picture of food and people would be like, oh, are you cooking meals? I'll take a few off you. Uh, and it just, you know, it happened by accident. I never knew what I was doing. I never studied home ec, never studied business. Um, I just, I really enjoyed it and it was really easy to me and it never felt like work. And com- in comparison to the engineering, which I hated, it was a dream. So it just, you know, started with 10 meals, became 20, became 30, became 40, became 50. Um, and, you know, there was a point then where, where the business was formed and, and, you know, we just took it from there and grew from there. At what stage, Owen, for you, did you start to become quite mindful of what you were actually eating? Um, I suppose paying attention to when you were eating, what you were specifically eating, rather than, I suppose, eating just to get rid of hunger because for me over the last maybe six months or so it was just after Christmas I made a conscious decision to really kind of respect what I put into my body and plan ahead for the day because there could be so many times where I go to cook when I'm hungry and there's nothing in the house so I suppose I started to pay more respect to my body and 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 the food that I put into it but what was that um like for you I suppose yeah I, it was definitely when I, you know, when I went to college, I, and I, I still find it to this day. If I go home for a while, you know, I, I being in a family home environment, I'm eating more anyway. So it wasn't until I left home and I had structure. I suppose I, I had the power over what I was eating. It wasn't as if there was just dinners being served up to me, um, which was probably the case, you know, in a in a countryside house. Like I was just eating dinner when everyone was eating dinner, and I had three older brothers, so I was eating dinner with all of them as well, which was probably why I was overweight as a kid. So it yeah. wasn't until I had that structure and, and, and then I suppose being involved in the sport in that kind of our team setting, we were having nutritionists talk to us and I, I was very interested in this. You know what, there is probably an egotistical point of view where, you know, I was an 18 year old student and I wanted to look better. You know, I, I was overweight. I wasn't in good shape. I was in first year in college. The new setting for me was making new friends. And I suppose like there is that kind of element of, you know, I, I'd like to look good as well as feel good, you know, it, there's, there's feeling good and there's performing well on the pitch, but there's also, you know, there is a, a personal side to where I was actually, I'd like to be slimmer, I'd like to look better, I'd like to fill out t-shirts. Um, and, you know, that's, that's in my opinion, it's really normal for, for a 17, 18-year-old. Um, so, you know, that came with the structure of the food and I suppose the more I researched, the more I asked questions, the more I learned. I had habits of, you know, having a big breakfast going all day without eating and then you know pigging out at, at night time and i suppose thinking that i deserve to eat as well i wanted because i trained so much and there was no structure as probably what i should say you know some days i might eat loads i might eat nothing and, and i was snacking during the day so having that structure having you know good balanced homemade meals throughout the day it eliminated any any chance of me snacking, of me getting a takeaway at nighttime, of me buying dinner in the canteen in, in, in college. Uh, and that, you know, that was all I needed. I, I am a very disciplined person. Structure, I find it very easy to keep to that. Um, so, you know, I found that system of meal prepping my meals was perfect for me. And it's not for everyone. Some people don't like it. Some people don't like cooking their meals fresh and that's perfect. But for that setting, for that time in my life, 
it was perfect. It was perfect. And, and I suppose it set the groundwork for me. It set the structure for my food and my diet. And I suppose I, I benefited physically um, from the weight loss. But ultimately, you know, that was kind of the, the reason I started the cook, which started the business, which is my whole career today. So in hindsight, it, it was huge. And, you know, Owen, I think every so often we come to this epiphany or decision where we want to improve our lifestyle in some capacity. So that could be starting a brand new diet next week. So we're going to cut out carbs. We're going to eat more healthily. We're going to start this brand new running plan, running session. We come up with these ideas of behaviors that we want to change. But often that's a, a, a huge lifestyle change. Um, so for example, if, if we wanted to in, improve our, our eating habits or we wanted to adapt a new dietary plan, but we're someone that doesn't cook, we're someone that isn't very um, useful in the kitchen. Like to even break that down, we have to have the skill of planning our meals. We have to have the skill of, of going to the shop and, and, and purchasing all the ingredients. We also have to set aside time to do that. Um, and then we also have to enjoy the, 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 this whole new uh, diet plan for the week. So I think that's where the likes of Country Munch comes in. You're, you're able to make that decision, but Country Munch t- looks after a lot of those variables for you. So instead of, I suppose, setting this really, really difficult goal for the following week, we're just simply selecting one small goal that we're going to change what we eat and we're going to bring in someone like Country Munch to help us along with that challenge. Yeah, it's convenience. You know, that, that was all our tagline. You know, we're, we're giving you a little bit of time back in your day. That was the biggest thing for us. Um, so, you know, it's like that. It's, it's, if you try and change everything at once, you might only get three days and then you, you'll just snap again. But the convenience of, and, you know, we, I used to always say this to people, and I still do, and, you know, I, I, part of my life now is teaching people how to cook. So, as I said, Art, like, if I can't physically feed you, I, I teach you to feed yourself. So, it might be the case of, you know, I'll tell a person, listen, make your own breakfast and lunch, and then the country much dinner will fill that void at nighttime. Don't try and change everything at once. Or, mm-hmm. I, but again, you know, there's no point in me being a good, a massive sales pitch and say, listen, buy country ones for three times a day, seven days a week. Because, you know, it's costly. And I do want people to cook. That's really important for me. I, you know, that is a really convenient option and it alleviates, it alleviates you know, two hours in the evening time cooking dinner for someone who doesn't enjoy to cook. And that's fine. And a huge part of my job now is is demos or the cookery school. And, and, and that's where, the skills of instead of cooking for two hours, I'm going to teach you how to cook for an hour. So you're going to spend less time in the kitchen. So I love meeting people who hate cooking. They're the ones that I'm, I'm trying to get at to. And I'm not trying to convince them to become chefs. I'm trying to help them to cook for less time so they don't have to do it as much. So I think people have this misconception that you have to love cooking or you have to really be enthusiastic about food to eat well or, or to, to cook during the day. Whereas I suppose my job is to make that block of work as easy, as simplistic, as quick, as fast, as cheap as possible. Country Munch is up an option to fill that void or it can fill that in parts for through the week, maybe as a lunchtime uh, option. And then when you get home for dinner, there's the other element of my business where I can teach you how to cook a dinner in probably 15 minutes as opposed to, you know, there is, I know a lot of lads and, and women too that it may take the bones of an hour to cook dinner and they have it eaten in three minutes. So, you know, the, the, the time versus the reward isn't there. So if you can bring that time down, uh, and maybe you know cook two or three meals or, or just cook faster meals it's it's a much more sustainable habit it's a skill that, that we do need for our life i don't i don't think you can escape cooking for yeah i think 
it's such a basic human need but it's something that we probably don't give enough attention to well personally anyway I, I've really tried to become quite mindful of, of what I'm putting into my body and planning ahead you know just making sure that I have ingredients in the press I have food in the press um because again that stops me from going to the likes of McDonald's or ordering in Domino's um so yeah I, th- I think it is interesting that, that that you do have that two elements to the business you have the convenience meals that are are, are homemade and and they're and they're, they're, they're well made um but also you have the element um to your business where, where you teach people how to cook and I think that's really important moving on then um Owen towards exercise you, you you've been on quite the um exercise journey yourself I know you mentioned earlier about aspirations to pursue a career in rugby um but that's definitely changed over the last couple of years do you want to maybe tell us a little bit about that yeah it, it, it's always been it's it, it was my life growing up I said rugby was what I wanted to do it's all I wanted to do and I played to you know, a pretty high standard until I couldn't anymore, be it with business, um, I suppose, restrictions and, and also just a, a late loss kind of counteracted that. But it was always rugby growing up. Um, I played a little bit of GA here and there, but because I was so prominent in rugby, it, it kind of took away from that. We trained, we trained two or three nights a week. Um, so, and I suppose I'm very, I was very committed to it. So when, when I give, when I start something, I usually commit fully to it. So, you know, I played football in Hurling growing up and in school we would have I would have been on, on all the sports teams, but rugby was the main one until I got to college. Um and then I suppose it was kind of fitting where through rugby we were training more in a gym. I was eat, watching what I was eating, so I had this kind of big transformation and I suppose for the first time in my life I looked physically good. Um, you know, I was leaner, I, I had muscles and I was I was loving it. And you know, there was something I often think back about it like it was so new to me. It was so strange for me to look in the mirror and see, you know, a toned physique or see veins in my biceps. And that, you know, is nearly an addictive thing in itself. And it was just this constant cycle of, okay, let's let's push this envelope now for as long as we can. So I kind of started to veer away from rugby slightly. Um, and I started just committing to the gym more and training more. And I got really into that. And I suppose, like I said there, you know, I, I like to kind of be 100% in something. So I, I kind of set a goal for myself. Like if I'm going to train, there needs to be some purpose to it. I'm not just going to go to the gym every day just for the sake of, of, of staying fit and healthy, which is nothing wrong with that. But at the time, I, I suppose I kind of wanted something. I was very goal driven. So I was like, sure, I'll compete. I'll do a bodybuilding competition. Um, and, and it also gave me an end date, I think, which is really important. I had been, you know, getting and, and, and training so long for about, you know, the bones of a year. I was like, you know, this, there needs to be some bit of a, of a finish date on this. If not, I'll just keep kind of spinning my wheels forever. So I, I picked a show that was six months away. I ramped up my training. I really started to learn about nutrition and dieting. Um, and I competed in, the, in a, a natural bodybuilding competition in Cork when I was 17 and took second place. I was really, really happy had three coats of fake tan was the color of my desk here in front of me. And it was just <laughs> this crazy experience. Um, you know, stand in a tiny tongue in front of an audience, in front of my parent, my parent, like to, to, to explain to my parents that, yeah, I'm not playing sort of rugby anymore. I'm going to go into bodybuilding. I'm going to stand on stage and fake tan in the tongue. And like credit to them, it must've been tough to watch, to watch that process because it is a grueling, grueling thing where you're, you know dieting really hard it gets to a point where it isn't that healthy anymore you know there is the point of diminishing returns where 
I was really skinny and gaunt and, and I was training twice a day and my mood was bad and my hormones were down and you know that's probably towards the latter end of it and you know, I suppose for that reason I probably wouldn't go back to it again but I did it did really well and I was really happy came out of that and then um I had always I suppose from the nutrition side of things I was working with a lot of a lot of athletes you know helping them cook having their, their, their nutrition doing weight cuts with them just giving them a helping hand and they a lot of my friends were 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 fighting were in MMA so they're always saying to me you know you should do jiu-jitsu you know you'd be really suited to it it's really practical you know it's 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 a very demanding sport but it's it's like chess so I was like you know what? I'll give it a go so I did like a beginner course in jiu-jitsu when I was in fourth year in college maybe and I fell in love with it so that's been my main sport for the last three years um you know got, got my blue belt last year before before covid and, and it was going really well and i think it's finally it's the one sport that just fits me perfectly it's really there's a lot of method there there's a lot of thinking is there is a physical demand there as well which is you know which is great and training is, is, is pretty gruesome but it's it, it, as i said it's like human chess there's so much there's so much method to it uh it's it just fitted perfectly with me so that was the transition then I suppose to the MMA world to jiu-jitsu so um as you said there I'm 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 going to jump back into intermediate football for a season or two uh just to stay active but again I suppose you know throughout all of those that strange career of 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 sports you know the gym has always been something that's been really consistent I still train I still you know I do something every day I'm in the gym probably 5 days a week for the last maybe 4 or 5 years it's just been that staple for me even you know you know if it isn't as goal driven anymore it's just uh, it's a method of escapism for me it's it's the one constant i can have every day where i know i have that hour and you know in that hour i know what i'm doing i know what i can control um and i know it's it's of benefit you know to to come back to what you were saying you know that is the the staple of of i suppose this training and and health and fitness have been this kind of rock for me where in my world, you know, having a startup business and, and, and growing pretty exponentially, my life is insane. And there's very little structure at times and it's incredibly spontaneous and it's incredibly stressful to have, to have a, an hour or two hour gap to go in training. Uh, and I often joke about this, you know, if there's something really stressful thing in work or if I'm, if I'm working on, on a problem and I go to jiu-jitsu, I can't think about that problem in there because there's a man trying to choke me unconscious. <laughs> or poke the head off me. When I'm in there, all I can think about is jujitsu. All I can think about is, okay, how do I not let this fella make me go to sleep? So, you know, you accidentally kind of have that little bit of escapism and, and, and headspace. And for that two-hour period, all I'm thinking about is jujitsu. So then when you, when you come out of there, you're kind of like, ah, oh, do you know what? That problem wasn't as bad or, you know, at least I wasn't fully consumed by that for those two hours. And more times than not, a solution is, 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 within the hour after training you know i always find that if if i'm up the walls busy or if i need headspace i'll do something i'll go for a run or i'll I'll, I'll train or hopefully go to jitsu or or whatever it may be um and it just seems to be some grounding effect where it just takes my mind away from from whatever the issue is and and usually it can be resolved after yeah i fully agree with everything that you were saying there on exercise and physical activity it's really mindful and even if we were to delve very briefly into the sports psychology behind that it's 
that kind of time out hypothesis where your attention is directed elsewhere. Um, I think we can find, well, from, from personal experience anyway, we can spend a lo- an awful lot of time in the four corners of our own head. Um, so actually bringing in sensations into our body that aren't in our head. So I've often used the analogy of feeling the struggle in your abdominals as you're trying to keep yourself up in a plank um, or feeling your knees bending as you're squatting, that these different sensations can just get our attention and, and bring it elsewhere. Um, and I, I've, I've met a couple of notes here as well, just across the last couple of moments when you were speaking. Um, there's so much to, to touch on but um one really important factor I think is that you've tried a lot of different sports a lot of different activities and different forms of exercise and I think it's important to highlight that you can pick up something brand new in your mid-20s even later I, I would imagine um personally for me I hated running as a teenager um looking back and reflecting on it I think it was because I wasn't in control of it. It was at Camogie training. Um, but I am now running anywhere between 10 to 20 kilometers in a week and I adore it. So I think it's really important to note that we, we, we can pick up new activities, new exercises. Obviously, we're a little bit limited at the moment with COVID. Um, but I think it's important that you do recognize that the world is your oyster. And although you might not have an exercise or, or an activity that you love right now, doesn't mean that there isn't one out there. Yeah, especially, like, obviously every sport is different, but I suppose just to, to from my experience of, of, of jiu-jitsu or, or, or MMA or, or any sport like that, that tie me up in knots and will make me fall in seconds and there are six-year-old men that will do the same. There is no template for what the perfect athlete looks like, especially in that sport. Obviously, being fit and being strong is a massive benefit, but it's so strategic and it's so tactical that, you know, they're... Just being strong and isn't good enough. Um, and there is no, if you look at our club inside, it ranged from 17-year-olds to mid-20s to mid-30s to 40s to fellas in their 50s. Um, and it's, it's a level playing field because we're all learning at the same thing. We're all learning at the same time. Obviously, the younger lads might have a bigger engine, um, but more times more times than not, you know, we it's, it's often a pretty level playing field. So I suppose that sport, it, it can be quite unique in, in a sense where, if it suits you, if it suits the person, then you'll love it. Uh, and you'll know pretty fast if you love it or not. You know, it's very, can be very demoralizing to be getting tapped out, you know, consistently, consistently getting tapped out or choked and, and not seeing any progress. Um, but then, you know, for other people, like for myself, you know, I love that because it's the first time in a long time that I wasn't good at a sport. And, uh, you know, it sounds strange, but I went in there and I was like, oh, I'm really bad at this. Like, this is a class because I can only improve from here. Because, you know, in the gym, I had been training for three years. I knew everything about it. I was I was good at it. In rugby, I was good at it. I was at, I was at a high level. Um, so I was able to run. I, I did half marathon. So I kind of ticked off a lot of things there. So it was the first time in a long time where I was like, oh, I'm back to scratch. You know, I, I am a complete student here. Um, and, and, you know, I suppose that willingness to learn then obviously benefits you. But yeah, I, 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 every sport is the same. Listen, whether it's tag rugby or whether it's it's whatever swimming running jogging you know age is merely number if, if if you obviously if you're willing to work and if you're willing to train then then there is no limits you know my own mother would have never would never ran a few years ago now she runs she ran 10k the thing last year the limerick run and she loves running she loves jogging and again it's a simple fact of 
she started walking and she might put in a 10 minute jog and then the next day she put in a 15 minute jog and then the next day 20 and you know it's this gradual progression over time where as you get better at it you start to like it more mm-hmm. and same with everything and if you can see progress and that's really addictive you know um so you know age is merely a number when it comes to that stuff sound space will return after this brief message Hi everyone, my name's Anita Fletcher. I'm a parent and coach and mother of four. I'd like to tell you about a podcast that I'll be hosting called Family Life, which is part of the Sound Space series. During my Family Life podcast, I'll be chatting with real people and experts covering a lot of topics, such as the important role that parents play in the workplace. Should BMI be used against people when they're trying to adopt in Ireland and toxic stress in families? We have an array of fabulous guests, including sleep expert Lucy Wolfe, parenting expert and author Dr. Mary O'Kane, NHS nurse and dietitian Lucy Upton, and fertility expert Helena Tuberty. I myself look forward to chatting with all of these fabulous guests, and I hope to connect with a lot of you along the way. So I'll see you at Family Life as part of the Sound Space series. And if we bring it back to your bodybuilding days, Owen, it's it's a sport that I'm very interested in. Um, I have no personal experience myself, but but I have heard different athletes speaking about the challenges um, that you face throughout preparation for a competition, especially in the last couple of weeks when you're so restrictive with calories uh, heading into competition to be in the best shape possible. But also equally and maybe even more so um, and more so importantly is the switch after competition where you no longer have that goal ahead of you um, and perhaps you actually binge or you, 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 you don't have to be as restrictive with your with your training or your calories can you talk me through what that was like for you and I know we've spoken about before uh, your interest in the psychology of, of eating and the psychology of food so can you talk us through that period in your life yeah it is I mean it's it's a super extreme sport and and I I used to get a lot of people so when I was in that world you know texting me asking and I would always you know tell them the warn them that you know it's not this kind of lovely rosy sport where you look great and you have eight you've an eight pack and you're ripped to bits there's so much baggage that comes with that and and for me it was as you said there the hardest part of that whole journey was after i am a really disciplined and driven person so the prep actually wasn't that bad for me it was it was grand for me but obviously looking back you know i didn't go to social events i didn't really socialize much i lived in my own world of get up, eat, train, go to work, come home, probably train again, prep my meals, repeat. I didn't, I, I didn't have much of a life to be honest. And because I had an end date, I knew, okay, it's only for another four months. That was fine with me. I, I could do that. Um, but as you said, yeah, in, in the latter stages where it gets to a point where it's, it's great, it's healthy, you're losing weight, and then your body will be like, do you know what, no, this is enough. You know, we're, we're now losing essential body fat or your body will start to go against you and, and it'll start to regulate hormones and it will 
it, it thinks you're you're in you're in a time of drought or a time of famine. So the goal of the brain is to get down to as little body fat as possible. So every striation and, and muscle fiber you can see, which is bizarre, you know, looking back. Um, so you know, there's a lot of repercussions there, be it with you know uh, physically obviously you know you're you're losing a lot of essential body fat your hormones can be affected your mood is affected but this psychology of restriction that can be really really damaging to people if they don't know how to counteract that or if they can't be if they can't be aware that it's happening um you become so rigid on counting calories you so become so rigid on food it ruins going out eating dinner i could never go and have dinner with my family out because i'd have a panic attack if i didn't know the calories in my meal um and now I was probably at, at a better stage because I was able to kind of separate the, this is a sport as opposed to this is my life now and I need to know exactly what I'm eating. Um, but when I finished, it was bad timing. You know, I was just going into my second year in college. It was actually, fre- I, I competed on a Saturday and then Freshers Week was the Monday. So I had done six months of extreme dieting, extreme discipline. I never once broke that diet and you know people often joke or they laugh like oh would you have a bar of chocolate here or there i never in that six months did i go a calorie over what i was supposed to or did i miss the training session or i was the topper end of the scale of extre- extremism which isn't good it's just the way that i was so i left that competition and then you know competed saturday did really well was really happy then woke up sunday morning now what no where do i go i've done all i know now is is this disciplinary life of eat sleep train look yourself in the mirror see how you can you know get leaner so then it was i think and it's really hard not to be but it was just then just this binging where i went to college to my friends for freshers week which would be notoriously a week of just partying and you know i went in <laughs> as brown as a berry but also like no restrictions i was like a dog off a leash so i was drinking loads i was eating loads and in that week, I think I put back on like 15 pounds. Now, a lot of that would have been water weight. And a lot of that would have been would have been like um, just replenishing glycogen stores. So in reality, I didn't put on 15 pounds. But when I stood in the scales a week later, I was 15 pounds heavy. I was carrying a lot of water weight. So I wasn't as lean or toned anymore. So then, you know, there's show blues where you have like a, a, you know, get really depressed. And in my head, I was like, I've just spent six to seven months of extreme dieting. And in one week, I have contracted all of it. And, you know, it is this huge mental game. Uh, and, uh, you know, you talk to any bodybuilder, I, I, I wouldn't even class myself as a bodybuilder. I've competed once and, and I've worlds, And I still actively train a lot, but I wouldn't be a seasoned competitor. But if you were to talk to someone, you know, they would tell you that the weeks and the months after the show are more important than the ones leading up to it because that's where you have to relearn food habits and you have to relearn that food psychology and you have to get out of that habit of seeing food as just numbers because uh, that's all it was to me. Food was just numbers and I had certain numbers to hit every day and I hit those numbers and because of that, I looked better. So it was really easy for me. I was like, this is the best thing in the world. You know, if I'm just strict and I count the calories, it works and it does. Um, but you know, you can only do it for so long before there is a point in returns where you're in your own head. So I, I, I'm lucky where I, I was able to kind of get out of it. It did take a few weeks. Um, and you know, I, I was still consistent with training and, and after that initial week of binging, I was kind of getting back into old habits again and eating well and, 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 um, was able to kind of counteract a lot of the initial damage that I did that week by just kind of relaxing and being reassuring myself that, you know, this is just, this is really normal. My body 
is going back to what it should look like or what it feels comfortable in at. Um, and uh, the more you do it, the, the better you get at that. But it was a really challenging time. But I do think a lot of the skills and the discipline, and I learned a lot about myself in those few months. And I think that plays hugely into my job now as I suppose as an entrepreneur and owning a business, whatnot, the, the discipline that I, that I saw that I can have in that sort of period of bodybuilding plays over to projects and stuff now so it was massively beneficial and i wouldn't change a second of it but i do warn people and and it's probably the reason that i won't compete again it, it is this extreme extreme act of, of starvation um for what you know for it's it's purely for yourself no one else benefits from me looking good so i had always said i would advise you to take it with a pinch of caution and do your research and, and have a good coach it's probably more important i didn't have a coach mm-hmm. i did it myself but if I was doing it again, you know, I would consult someone who could guide you and, and could could lead you out of that phase of, of extreme dieting. And following the competition, Owen, did was there a period of time where you kind of had to come to terms with or accept how you now look? Because I suppose you, you, you'd gone on such a journey from losing that weight as a teenager to engaging in training and um, where the, the goal of which was to have a very low body fat percentage where you could see the in- intricacies of each muscle on your body to then not being so restrictive or, or, or monitoring your, tra- your training and then seeing how that actually presented itself in how you look in the mirror or the the person that you see in the mirror. So how long did that take or, or what was that experience like um, of coming to terms with, with how you now look? Yeah, absolutely. That was a huge part. Uh, and it's, I suppose especially from, you know, having a big weight loss initially, I was I was very self-aware, I should say. So yeah, massively. Uh, and you know, like the, the, most, the, the most ridiculous part is that I was still probably better Nick than 90% of fellas after, you know, I still had abs. I still had veins everywhere, but I wasn't as lean as it was for that, that hour period I was on stage. Uh, and your body gets used to seeing what you look like there. And in those last three weeks before the show, I was getting used to looking so incredibly lean and skeleton and, you know, not sustainable in the slightest way, especially as the natural athlete. Um, you know, come very unsustainable. So yeah, that, I, that was probably the biggest issue was was becoming just accepting that. Grant, listen, we're not going to have an APAC for life. This is <laughs> this is really really hard to keep. But it's it's kind of just after a while, you just yeah, you, as you said, you you learn to just accept what you look like now, which sounds ridiculous because I was still in really 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 good shape. I was still probably in better shape than the majority people in the gym. But just for your own psyche, for your own psychology, you're not as good as you were last week. And you've put this huge graft in to get to where you look. So, you know, your head is telling you, listen, you're going backwards again. You're, you're going to put back on weight. So, yeah, it takes months. It can take years. It can take a lifetime for some people if they don't, if they can't be self-aware enough to catch themselves. It's been like, mm-hmm. listen, this is ridiculous. Like, you know, you have to kind of get over. That comes with age, too. I was really young. I was only, I was only 18. Uh, whereas now you know I'm, I'm i'm far more accepting of it and and I, I suppose i've always kind of held myself somewhat accountable to to stay in, in relatively good shape it's for my job you know if i sell food or if i'm an advocate for eating healthy i've always been like you know i i'm the first person you should look to i'm the one who cooks the food so if i'm not in good shape then why would you trust that you know the this whole brand fits that um you know i saw 
it's still it's still really positive um, disciplines and routines come from that. But yeah, absolutely, there there was a huge psychological battle for a while after to become comfortable with eating normal again, uh, eating going out with my friends, going drinking, uh, and so looking in the mirror and not expecting to see, you know, veins from your neck to your toes. Yeah, it's an interesting point you raise about, I suppose, comparing our challenges to other people's challenges and that being a way to kind of um, help us to accept them. But I think it's important as well that our issues are still our issues too. And, and while you can say that you're in better shape than 90% of guys, Equally, you could use the same rationale to say that other people have things worse than me um, in regards to maybe pain or injury or work situation. I do think it's still important that we recognise and accept kind of the issues that are going on in our life and to not belittle them to the point that we maybe aren't engaging with them or actively trying to cope with them. So that's a really important um, thing that you touched on there. Um, before we finish up, you mentioned earlier about your desires to pursue a career in sport um, from a playing perspective and you had aspirations to play rugby at a high level. Now you're the one feeding them. Um, can you talk me through what that's like, I suppose? Is that your way of still being involved in a world that you always wanted to be a part of? Yeah, it's just, I suppose. I couldn't I couldn't make it on the team, but I can feed them. This was as close as I'll ever get. Um yeah, it is nice. And I suppose, you know, this everything happens for a reason. And obviously having that background in sport and, and having that passion for not only the business, but for sport and for well-being, they do play hand in hand. And it's probably why we've been so lucky in that I, I practice what I preach, as I said a while ago, and, and it's a clear fit. And, you know, it, 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 uh, the business was accidental. So I never woke up one morning like, you know what, I'm going to. I'm going to start cooking now and I'm going to feed every athlete in our, in Limerick or in Ireland. Um, you know, I was never the thing. It was just really natural progression. And, you know, it just happened where we, you know, the meal prep was building and building and we we're doing hundreds of meals a week. And a lot of players would always eat our food anyway. That's probably how it started. You know, I'd be friendly with a, with a, with a lot of the athletes and a lot of the players and they were ordering the meals and they were going back to their clubs. And it was just this really kind of natural progression being like listen you know all the teams need a food supplier there's a few here and we tenored for it and, and I'm very grateful and we were very lucky to, to get those contracts and to continue to feed the, the Limerick GA uh, crowd and, and we've worked with the Munster Academy the Munster women's team we've worked with Kildare GA for a while we're in gyms where we have individual athletes we worked with the Limerick Tree Soccer we've, we've we've this really nice portfolio of working with teams and athletes and, and everyone as well that's the really important part is that the majority of our meals don't go to athletes, they go to everyday people, busy working class that just need convenience or time, even time. Yeah, it, it is nice, I suppose. I suppose it, no matter what I did, I'd probably always have some foothold in, in some sport or some health and fitness world. Uh, I thought I was going to be a PT, you know, when I was in, when I was in college, I was like, oh, that's what I'll do. I'll just become a PT and I can play sports uh, around that. But I suppose the, the cooking world had, had other plans and this is where I am now. I, I'm really, be great i have an opportunity and my job is to is to teach people how to cook and feed themselves and it's one of the most rewarding things that for me it's the best thing i can ever do is is you know have these sessions with people and, and if i can't physically feed them because you know now with virtual events they're all over the world we do we do ones in england we did one in germany two weeks ago um so it's 
it's bring these you know fun entertaining sessions to people in their own homes but now i have a chance to cook with people in their own homes and teach them how to cook and hopefully you know some of the benefits that i've seen into their lives um, and even if it's not a physical or if it's, if it's from not from a wellness point of view it, cooking is really rewarding cooking is really beneficial as a life skill and and, and it's nice avenue to explore especially now when we're all at home and, and we're looking for things to do um it's it's great i suppose one i i, if I have time just one story on that i suppose this is where i kind of had that realization because i was doing loads of classes and i was doing i worked in a cookery school in limerick and for me it was like just crap off talking to people i'm just going to cook and talk and this is great and there was a fellow there uh, middle-aged men which is kind of strange because usually the classes are, are, are women or they're maybe young young fellas with their girlfriends or whatever it may be you know you, you'd often have the 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 gentleman who his wife might send in to learn how to cook but this man was there by himself and we started chatting for a while and I didn't pay him too much attention and then I gave the demo they were back cooking at their desks doing a cookery school and we started chatting he was just like oh my wife passed away last year and um, so now I live at home with my you know three three kids so I have to learn how to cook now she always did the cooking and then for me you know, that kind of changed everything so I was like Jesus no this is actually way more this is way more important than I had imagined this isn't just me having a laugh chatting and cooking and teaching people how to cook a curry you know this is me trying to help this fella feed his family after his wife passed away the year before so I, I, I'll never forget that moment where that was a real kind of it sank in for me then I was like you know what there's this is way more beneficial than one I thought it was. Um, and obviously, you know, there's, there's far more value in this. And, uh, you know, I, I keep coming back to, you know, it is such a life skill to have and, and you never know when you're going to need it. Um, but you know, I'm, I'm, I'm really grateful I had the conversation with that, with that, with that gentleman because it, it really changed my perspective on, on my job. And I suppose, and it, it kind of lit that fuel of like, okay, there's, there's huge value in this and, um, and, and you never know who's going to need it all when you're going to need it um but it, you know it, it made my job much much easier and much more enjoyable and i suppose lit a fire me again then after that to, to try and, and, and impact and benefit as, as many as many people as possible then that's such a lovely story with which to end this conversation on it, it, it's really interesting to, to hear that that one particular man and his story had such an impact on your outlook on your work just before i let you go on i do have a quick fire round the first question is three Instagram accounts that you would recommend people to follow for inspiration. Um, three accounts that I like at Lauren Gilfile, great one for physio tips. Um, <laughs> there's loads, there's loads, there's loads. I don't know for food. Um, there's some great foodies like the classic ones like Jamie Oliver is great. He's great tips in Ireland. I suppose there's some great foodies around Ireland. You know, he was in Cork. There's Little Muffin, Rachel Hornybrook in Dublin, and um, Davy Nutrition. Business-wise, there's lots of ones that I count to. To be honest, I try not spend too much time on social media, so my accounts ones are poor. I was a big fan of Gary Vee growing up, so um, I don't know. I, 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 there's a loads of good foodies, and there's loads of good ones uh, people in the health and fitness world. Um, I suppose you join uh, Larry Doyle is a great one um, for health and fitness. Uh, I think he's a really good outlook, and he's actually an ex bodybuilder too, and he's a really kind of no, no, no bullshit approach to to health and fitness so yeah yourself Gary Doyle and we'll give we'll give Annie Hebers one she's, she's, a, she's a great foodie from Cork Okay next question an exercise that you hate be it one particular exercise in the gym or perhaps it's an entire sport that you'd really have tried and you just you just can't get it 
in the gym, one that I don't enjoy is Bulgarian split squats. <laughs> I can definitely agree with that one. Okay, last question. What is the one physical activity, exercise, event that you would like to do that's on your bucket list, be it playing a camogie match or scaling Kilimanjaro? What is it? Oh, this changes so much for me. I'm so I'm so sporadic with stuff. I I want to be I want to do everything. People call me a, like a, a medal collector. Um, one thing I'd love to do. Let me think. Give me two seconds to think about this. Uh, I love competing, so I just want to continue to compete in 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 sports like jiu-jitsu and all that kind of stuff. But um, a physical feat, yeah, I I I'd love to do like Kilimanjaro or do base camp in Everest. Um, something like that. Something that takes, I suppose a huge portion of, of work and training um, uh, obviously in a different part of the world would be class. So yeah, either of those two to compete, to continue to compete at a national level in whatever sport I'm in. And then, you know, something crazy like, you know, base camp in Everest or, or, um, or, or like cycling from across Asia or something like that. Perfect. Owen Sheehan, it has been an absolute pleasure. Thanks for tuning in. In this episode, we spoke to Owen Sheehan, TV chef and owner of Country Munch, about his love of food and his interesting experiences with a variety of sports. You can find Owen on Instagram using the handle at Owen Sheehan, all one word. And you can find me using at Lauren underscore Guilfoyle. We hope you enjoyed it and stay tuned for more. This podcast was brought to you by Soundspace. The go-to place for all the latest podcasts on topics such as mental well-being, nourishment, parenting and health and fitness.